warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Britannia podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism and it's a very special edition this week. Today we are four years old and we are celebrating our 100th movie with me, Stephen. Hello mate, happy birthday. And to you as well, many happy returnings mm. um, you know, that, that we have and it's great that we're, we're not alone. Uh, there is there there's there's you there's me and, and then there's a third man in the room do you know what i was struggling for a joke to bring in about a third man but i couldn't think of anything funny and obviously neither could you no so. <laughs> <laughs> back well, i was gonna say this is great because i've not seen the first or the second but <laughs> back oh, by popular demand it's Anthony from the Glass Onion on John Lennon podcast. Hello, mate. Welcome back. Hello, Scott. Hello, Stephen. Hello, the world. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. I've had a couple of minor nervous breakdowns since we last met, but all good. We all have. Don't worry. We all have. We have, yeah. <laughs> Lockdown and all, everything that's going on in the world hasn't helped anybody, to be honest. Yeah, one was one was circumstantial, one was just routine. So. That was expected, was it? It was pre-planned. Every six months. Every six months. <laughs> it's due another anyway, one. Anyway, yeah, it's good to be back. Excellent. Good to have you back, my friend. And in a funny way, this was your choice, um, as well as being the 100th episode, because we'd, we'd sort of planned to do this, Stephen, hadn't we, for, for a, a celebratory episode, and 100 was obviously going to be the first one. Um, yes. And last time Anthony was here, he, he selected it as his next choice, and we thought, oh, that's handy. We can just tie everything together. So mm. fortune has smiled upon us, gents. Well, for the, for the sake of honesty, you caught me on the hop last time, so I quickly Googled the 100 greatest <laughs> British films, and this was number one. I thought, hey, why not? Perfect. That's, that's normally yeah. what we do. Stephen's got a list. Did you know how many films are in your list, Stephen? Or you've got two or three lists going, mate, haven't you? The last count when I made of it, it was uh, 96 different films that I had um, ready to, to pick from um, that I did want to bring at some point. So um, almost 100 episodes just on my own in that sense. Exactly, um, that's not including but, um, the Gradually they're getting ticked off because you mentioned things or bring things all the people do like Anthony mm. and I go right that's one ticks off I don't suggest <laughs> and not including all the series and things we're trying to work our way through we were just talking about this just just off air weren't we guys that we've made a rod for our own back in a way by committing to the Norman Wisdom series the James Bonds what else have we got the carry-ons kitchen mm. sinks hammer coming up next week there's a lot of stuff that we wanted to do, but we wanted to do them properly. That, that's that been the feature, hasn't it, over the last 100 episodes, that we're doing certain things chronologically so that we, yes. we can see the evolution of them, which I think is working quite well. 
Well, I was quite pleased because I started the film Gold, my plug plug, mm-hmm. last year, and um, I had uh, so many volunteers, <laughs> including members of my family. I got my niece on the show, which was just so nice. Yeah, we did the social network, which probably wouldn't have been my first choice, but I did enjoy it. It's a good film. This is the thing: when you get guests on, sometimes and, uh, they think a bit outside the box of what we would have thought, you know, and they throw in a bit of a curveball, like booze. Uh, gave us performance a couple of episodes back, and although we probably would have got to it, I mm. don't think it was high up on my list or Stevens, was it, mate? It would, it would have been not, one a couple of years ago. No. Well, yeah, I wanted to do Citizen Kane, and my niece wanted to do a Marvel film, and we met somewhere <laughs> in the middle. I think. Is yeah. there a middle ground between those I two? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So tell us about Film Gold, mate, because since we okay. last spoke, I mean, I've appeared on it. Uh, Christmas wasn't it the Christmas episode of Film Gold? Was it the inaugural episode as well? Uh, it was the first review. It was episode two, technically, mm. but it was the first. The first one was an intro. Yeah. So yeah, we did. It's a wonderful life. It's fantastic. Wonderful, absolutely brilliant yeah. to be on there, mate. Loved it. I haven't got. I haven't got that many episodes. So I can tell you the ones we've done. We've yeah, done uh, Marathon Man, The Social Network. Uh, what was the other one? Groundhog Day. Uh, originally, it was going to be the kind of what I call the Easy Riders Raging Bulls thing, yeah. you know, the 70s, hasn't quite turned out that way. We've just done a, I'm just re- editing a show today, which will definitely be out by the time this one goes out, called Snowtown, which is just an unbelievably dark. If if you've never seen it, a reference point might be something like nil by mouth, but I'd say it's even darker. And the fact that it's based on a true story just makes it worse, you know? It's the Australian it's, one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it, it's a devastating, incredible piece of filmmaking. But just done that with a guy called Rob Ager, who you may have heard of, A-G-E-I. He's a bit of a film analysis mm-hmm. legend on YouTube. He's, oh, well, wow. Yeah, he's very good. Excellent. And um, we've got plans um, for the future. A lot. I had lots and lots of volunteers, like I was saying. So. It's great, isn't it, when you, when you get mm. people that are keen to talk about movies and Mm. And, and throw suggestions. I mean, I'm lined up for at least one more. I know that. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll just, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. And, of course, the glass onion is going from strength to strength. Yeah, again, uh, just, just to beat the, exactly the same dramas every time I see you. I keep waiting to run out of material, but it hasn't quite happened yet. <laughs> um, which makes me think, shit, why didn't I monetize about two years ago? Yeah, but also... Because I've got a fairly sizable audience now. It'd be nice to make a bit of pocket money, but there you go. Well, you've got something in mind, haven't you? You've got a little plan, a little offshoot from Glass Onion coming up, hopefully. Oh, the audio thing? No, the uh, the literary oh. thing. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah. No, about... Uh, yeah, about a week ago it was. Mm-hmm. I, I've been thinking about writing a book for years because I had a blog and I think I've got decent writing skills. So I had the idea, why not take the conversations from Glass Onion and take the transcripts with quite heavy editing and then add a bit of my own text and turn it into a book. So, mm. uh, you know, I'm, um, whatever the expression is, I'm cashing lots of checks with my mouth. But, <laughs> you know, I'm making lots of plans and I've got clearance from everyone to use it. So I, I guess I should probably do it. Hey, so it be the logical next step. It's a great guess, mate. You think about it. You know, quarry men and, yeah. and other people that you know you don't see or hear on other podcasts. So yeah, you know, if you get the okay from those guys to use it, mate, get, I'd, I'd buy it. You know, I'd get you to sign a copy. Very good. I like <laughs> it. 
Yeah, I've, I think I've given enough away for free, so I think I'll have to charge for That's that one. It, not, not you, sorry, no, I didn't mean you. I meant, uh, I meant the great public. Out well, there. hopefully. You get free copies. Hopefully, there'll be some snippets <laughs> of our conversations in there, mate, from the two shows I've appeared on. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be yeah, expecting a, a lot. Expecting a pre-release copy at some point. So <laughs> you're, you're I, I to if, read your own words. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was wondering, could we use some of how I won the war as well? Perhaps uh, you can indeed, mate. Well, let's sneak that one in. You there. can indeed. It's all John Lennon related, and we're great mates, yeah. so it's it really not a problem. Absolutely. And all con- all contributors you get. Um, well, again, I'm I'm making lots of plans. <laughs> I've not actually started yet, but uh, the plan is, yeah, everyone would get a short bio, and then at the back are links to all your stuff and credits and all that. So. Fantastic! Looking forward yeah. to it. It, it could yeah, take years, though, have. mate, as, as most of these things tend to do, unfortunately. So, I mean, to be honest, in theory, I could it could be multiple volumes, but we'd have to I've got to find a publisher, I've got to get the first volume done, and then see what whether the interest is yeah, there. So, yeah the, yeah, the trick is writing it, mate. That's what you've got to do. You've got That's to write the thing. It. I, yeah, after thinking about it a lot, the next logical step hmm, is actually right about it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I might have to take a break from the podcast because I've actually got three now. So, and it's pretty much a full time job apart from the money. So, welcome to the club, my friend. Yeah, I know. You've got four. Converted with. Uh... It's got there, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's highly addictive, mate, and as as well we all know. Absolutely. Now we're going to take a very short break because it would be totally remiss of me if we didn't have a quick chat with the guy that was around right at the very beginning of this podcast, and in a way, his conversation with me led to its creation. Um, you've heard him previously on the show. He's still popping up now and again. He's still part of the show. We haven't forgotten him. He hasn't forgotten us. He just cannot make it here today. Uh, with a little bit of careful editing and a bit of trickery, hopefully, is a telephone conversation I had with Tony. So he's here on the end of the line. It's the uh, the nation's favourite body waste disposal expert, probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably sitting somewhere in a camper van on the north face of the uh, the Clapham Common. I couldn't possibly divulge my location for security reasons at the moment. <laughs> There's a reality TV show in here somewhere, mate. You know that. Don't you? <laughs> because you are the nation's favourite body waste disposal expert, the only one that people know, I'm sure. Um, yeah, there's probably not many of them in the public eye. They probably don't speak about their jobs, <laughs> to be fair. Um, <laughs> one well, of many of my the, roles. One of, yes, it's, it's the one we admire equally as all the others, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so you sent me a little... Facebook reminder one of those Facebook memories popped up on your timeline a couple of weeks ago it did it and did that something was brewing yeah it, it said something about well what, what did it can you remember something about had an interesting conversation things are on the horizon or something it said didn't it yeah it was something along their lines it was you know it was one of those things that I actually hate people doing on Facebook <laughs> now to sort of grab people's attention and, and people you get you okay it? hun and yeah. all that what sort of it? stuff everything okay but it, it all stemmed this whole podcast pretty much was your idea I'm, I'm not going to take that away from you mate um but without you, it wouldn't have happened. So we're, we're equal partners in Okey this. Okie doke. All right, I'll accept that bit of the responsibility then. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what it was, I mean, you know I've been podcasting back then for 
three no sorry seven years then you know and you wanted to do something with me as a separate podcast from the stinking paws from rainbow valley from all the other stuff that i was involved in it was probably an idea that sort of sprung to mind probably eight eight or nine years that's scary saying that eight or nine years ago when you and were, it was just something we banded round in the office at the time, and it was just put on the back burner until never one happened. evening. Yeah, and um, we we sort of um, discussed it a bit further, didn't we? Yeah, and I mean, originally you you wanted to do something more sort of like British TV and sitcoms and things like that. Yeah, but then we soon realised that if we had to sit through like eight seasons of Are You Being Served? Pours to tears. Yeah, and just for like an hour's show because we didn't want to do just individual episodes. No. It, it probably wouldn't work. So, me being the massive movie lover, I went, well, why not just British movies? And we sort of had a think, well, you know what? It's not just James Bond. There's, you know, there's the carry-ons, there's the Norman Wisdoms, there's the war films, there's all the new stuff. You know, we weren't going to put any limits on this onto the, the time scale. You know, we are going to go right up to date if we wanted to. And it seemed to work, didn't it? Because straight away I said to you, right, well, you can choose the first episode. What a cracker yes. that what a cracker that was. Yeah, what a cracker. Yeah, the Eagle has landed and we did that in twenty seventeen. See, it's frightening. No, yeah. we didn't. During we, the twenty first yeah, it, it came yeah. out. It aired. Twenty first of June. Right, so I might be putting this out a week early then, this particular show. So we've been plenty of time because it's uh, episode one hundred and I was gonna try and tie it in with the fourth anniversary as well. Yeah. See, that's the hint of professionalism, you see. No, it, I got the date sort wrong. of on time. Got the date old. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Sums us up completely from day one. Um, you wouldn't believe how long it took me to refine that little tagline. I was just sat there for ages just typing things out and just looking over stuff. Um, even you... like the introduction music. I know you had a big part to play in it of all the extra bits that went yeah. on it. But I sat there listening to iDents for what seemed like a week. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get some ideas because you yeah, did just come trying up... to get the one that strikes the right note that yeah. the people that are listening to this would probably sort of recognize yeah and then i threw what was it? it's the carry-on theme isn't it it's the theme that was used for the first sort of half a dozen carry-on movies that's it yeah um, and, and that we, was it we said that's the one that's the one and then we chucked in a bit of charles hawtry and some other bits and pieces and as they say the rest is history well four years on brilliant you got any memories of the first episode actually recording it were you nervous yeah well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely nervous because I think, well, this has got to go right, really. Otherwise, we're just going to make a complete tool of ourselves. <laughs> and I had this horrible image it was going to bring down uh, the, the Balaban Empire. And, oh, oh the, whole, the whole stinking Paws Empire would, would come crumbling down because of you, dear boy. Yeah, yeah. I think, oh, God, there's a, there's a lot on my shoulders. So that's why I sort of disappeared for the majority of the four years <laughs> and, and let my double up north take over from me. Oh, he's doing a sterling, sterling effort he's making. He's getting there. He's, he's you know, he's, he's had a bit of practice. He'll get there eventually, mate. Don't worry. But no, no, he's very, very good. Very, very good. He's yeah. he's covered me so many times. It's <laughs> unreal. <laughs> well, this was the reason. Listeners that aren't sort of privy to what nothing sinister happened. We haven't fallen out or nothing. But no, no, it, no. It just became apparent that real life was getting in the way for both of us, and we couldn't tie together a time regularly, could we? That we were gonna. Record so Stephen very generously jumped the reins, yeah, and 
do you know what? It's, it's just nice. There's a lovely mix of episodes with you, episodes with Stephen, episode with guests and things like that. Because you've met a few of the guests as well. You know, you've you've met Stephen over Skype. You haven't met him, you know, in person. But you know, he's, no. he's become a bit of a mate as well to you. So that's nice. Um, have you got any favourites out of how many episodes do you reckon you've been in? About twenty. Must be something like that. Yeah, I, yeah definitely not as many as um, I'd like to have been in. And maybe some people should have been in. Um, <laughs> hopefully this year, now things are starting to calm down again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be back a bit more. Excellent. Um, and collaborating with the gang. It is, um, it is a gang, mate, definitely. Got- <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the one that sticks out in my mind, not so much for the film, mm-hmm. um, was the first um, Norman Wisdom we did, Trouble in Store. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, obviously, brilliant film. Everyone yeah. knows I love Norman Wisdom. But the um, what happened afterwards? We... Oh, when we got the feedback from the the lady or the gentleman that lived next. It's the gentleman, I think, that used to go dog walking with Norman Wisdom's daughter. Is yeah. That... Yes. Yeah, that was that was actually quite special. I think, to be yeah, fair. I remember you were really chuffed them. about that, weren't you? You were really. I was, I was, I was quite excited, especially when you, you rung me up. I remember you ringing me and telling me about it uh, <laughs> a couple of days before we recorded. Because you wanted to jump in the car and go straight down there, didn't you, and say hello? It was just... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was trying to urge this guy to sort of, sort of meet up out, and because he was telling us about all these photos on the wall that yeah, no one else yeah. had seen, and I think, oh yeah, we we need to get on that. That's really, what we need, yeah, yeah. But it never happened, unfortunately. But uh... no, not to say it's not going to happen either. No, I'm, I'm hoping that he's still listening. Yes, yeah, because we've we've just recorded or just put out the third Norman Wisdom. It's taken four years to do another two Norman Wisdoms, mate. This is like how Blimey. sluggish we can be. I mean, what, what was the other one we were doing? The James Bonds and the Carry-Ons as well. Oh, the James Bond, oh, wow. We've done two we of them. The first James Bond we did, and I had to watch it all in Dutch. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was an almighty cock-up of me watching it. But there's, there's like English versions of it everywhere, right? And the yeah, only yeah. one you could find was had... Did, did it have English subtitles or was it just in Dutch? No, I think the subtitles are actually in German. But the um, language was Dutch? It was actually, yeah, dubbed over Dutch. Fantastic. Because um, obviously regular listeners of the, the um, episodes that I have been in, they will know that I normally watch the film about 25 milliseconds before we actually record the show. <laughs> It's it is certainly fresh in your mind. It's certainly fresh in my mind, and I yield normally in a text message to myself, write mm. down pointers, then resend it so I don't lose it. Oh my god! So that, yeah, that... It's, it's horrendous. It's so bad, so so bad. And then Stephen come along, and he, he just does it all properly. It's unreal. So, if you've been watching a movie like, and then you speak to me like an hour later, yeah. Um, so it's like initial, you know, your first thoughts. You haven't had a chance to digest it and think about it. Has your opinion on any of the movies changed when you've gone back and thought, actually, that was really shit, or that was like a lot better than I remembered? Um, not that I can recall any particular movies, but I dare say it probably has happened. I know what one I mean, you were really impressed with. Go on. Because you, you, straight off the bat, you went, you, you loved it, and it surprised me how much you loved it. Was the war film, the Noel Coward one, Above Us the Waves, or In Which We Serve? One of those? In Which We Serve, yeah. In Which yeah. We Serve. You loved that, didn't you? I remember. I did love that, yeah. Um, and the other one, Darkest Hour, because I didn't think I was going to like that, because it was the first top watch for me as well. 
it divides a lot of people there and I thought it does, well, what, it way, does. what way is Tony going to go with this is he going to you know a bit marmite this movie and, and you did like it didn't you yeah yeah um, yeah the choice of yours that surprised me and it was a bit of a blind choice because you'd never seen it I think you just had this random list of British movies that were on YouTube so you could watch yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I go to the weirdest places <laughs> I could find and the darkest parts of the web oh god help us and, yeah. yeah I know I know it's just bad it's bad the, um, one, the one that surprised just, me was was Three Hats for Lisa. Yeah, yeah. I just put lists of stuff, and I'll just pick one at random. Mm. And I wasn't expecting too much of that, even though I had Sid James. I loved it, and you did as well. So that was a real brilliant choice. Um, do you think you've learned a lot about British cinema since you started doing this? Has your attitude sort of changed? Have you realised there's more out there than what you used to watch? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've done masses, masses of stuff, and we've not even sort of scratched the surface with it all. No, only one hundred episodes out of like tens of thousands of, of movies out there we can go through. Yeah, I just didn't realise how big it all was. To be fair, and I also didn't realise how unprofessional I am at all. Ah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, but, I, I'm definitely not the hint of professionalism. I'm, I'm far from it. It's unreal. You're the, the faint whiff. Yeah, yeah. If I'm lucky, the faint whiff of professionalism. But hey, clever editing has actually disguised that, mate. You come across as really good. <laughs> yeah, I don't say a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's because we actually the two hours or whatever it is we normally record for is about probably five minutes of me talking. Yeah, I've, 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 I've learned. I've said to Stephen, it's, it's called creative waffling. I've learned how to do that to fill the gaps, mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just filler. Is I think what I call. <laughs> are you um, are you sort of constantly thinking of stuff to bring to future episodes? Do you find yourself like catching a movie and think, "Oh, I'd love to talk about that on the show," or do you find yourself just going through lists and, and compiling like stuff that you want to talk about? Yeah, um, you're flicking through the telly and you see bits and pieces, especially. With um, talking pictures, TV, they've got some cracking stuff on there. To have. be fair, of course they have. Can't can't say enough about that, that <laughs> station. <laughs> and, and I wasn't being paid to say that. To I, fair, I don't but, um... get paid for this, mate. No, the, the, the <laughs> listeners will know that since we started this podcast, though, been asked to become one of the co-hosts on the Talking Pictures TV podcast as well. So, yes, I, well, we, that, that's why we all love that channel, and that's a great source of stuff, isn't it? You know, great source of, of movies and, and classic TV shows, the stuff that we thought that only me and you watched. Yeah. But there's thousands of people out there, like-minded people. It's scary, isn't it? Mm. Any highlights, any other movies that, you know, you sort of going through the list and think, yep, yeah, I enjoyed that, or you were surprised by, or... Hated any that you didn't get on with? Ah, uh, well, I can't. I don't know about the hated bit. Mm. Um, I think that's was it. Sleuth, yes, maybe. You like? I thought you liked that one. No, I might be wrong then. Mm. What was the one um, with the ghosts, the children? Oh, the amazing Mister Blunden. You weren't too impressed. Amazing Mister Blunden. Yeah, I didn't like that one. <laughs> that was the one. The week after, you were really impressed with Peter's friends. And I thought it yes. might have been the other way round for you. I thought you would have... No, no, Sleuth, he was Michael Caine. Yeah, no, I liked that one. You yeah, liked that, that was one, good. Yeah. 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 Edit that bit. That's fine. No, no, no. Um, this, is the hint, this is the faint whiff of professionalism. <laughs> That's how you're going to be billed now, Scott. 
<laughs> Stephen and the faint whiff of Tony. And the faint whiff, yeah, I like that actually. <laughs> Listen, Catchy. mate. I just want to say thank you for creating this podcast and the germ of the idea was was yours it's a germ as well this is this is where we're going with this um we've definitely become a lot closer over the last four years i mean we haven't worked together for god knows how long and i think doing this has kept us in touch which has been really great um because i think we would have done i think we would have drifted apart mate and i'd have i'd have lost your friendship so i want to say thank you for still being there um, no, no, thank you for actually doing it and not sort of taking it on because um, i know it's a lot of work for you for you to do there's a lot of editing you put a lot of time into it and you've had to buy a lot of kit and yeah, there's just me sat on my bed um <laughs> with yeah. my ipad and occasionally i'll pop round Yes. And clutter up your your studio. Well, we're going to have to do more of that once sort of lockdown has eased, mate. Get some more, you know, face to face physical contact and all that sort of stuff again. Because, you know, apart from the hard work and the effort that goes into it, it's also a lot of bloody fun, you know. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't show it on air because we wouldn't want anyone to realise how much fun we have. Um, <laughs> it's it's all jealous. all off air, obviously. <laughs> off air fun. Um, yeah. This is episode 100. You're coming up in episode 102, mate. The Dad's Army episode, the movie. Um, yes. Which we recorded, it seems, ages ago now. Um, it was a bank holiday weekend, so it must have been Easter. I can't remember when we recorded that. But that's coming up in two episodes time. We've got... The three of us are getting together. We're going to be doing The Crawl Sea, I think, is the next time that you, me and yes. Stephen are together. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. No, honestly, mate, just want to say thank you for 100 episodes, four years, and just for being there, mate, supporting the show. And actually, no, no, thank you, and thank you to everyone who's um, well, stayed with it, really. Yes, all six it's of all you. Six. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We never thought we'd reach that many people. We thought it'd just be us listening back to it all the time. But um... uh, let, let's, let, I, I can reveal that the uh, the download figures are rising steadily, week on week, month on month. So. I think that'll do for now, mate. I'll see you soon, mate. Cheers for everything. Love you loads. And you, my friend. And here's to another 100. Oh, another 500, mate. Let's keep it going. <laughs> well, let's just do it year by year. Let's just not let's not get too ahead of myself. They, they, they want more. <laughs> keep them hungry. Keep them hungry, mate. I'll see exactly. You. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. See you soon, yeah? Bye. Ta-da. <laughs> And there we go, that's Tony. He was there right from episode one. He's here for episode 100. With me for episode 100 also is Stephen and Anthony. Guys, you ready for this? This is a big movie. It I is. was born ready for this. <laughs> I hope so. You chose it. <laughs> I watched it again last night. It was, uh, so did I. I mean, just, just the music alone is, is worth the this is worth price it. of admission. So God. much to talk about. So much to talk yeah. about. Let's find a trailer. We'll be back after this. man, hated by a thousand men, desired by one woman. The third man, hanging is too good for him. Nothing is too good for the third man. Her man was the third man. The man on every woman's lips.
1950, a city fearful of its present, uncertain of its future. Vienna, the once gay capital of a light-hearted people. Here in the shadows of its palaces and ruins is told with tenderness, drama, and suspense. The story of the third man. There was a third man there. I suppose that doesn't sound peculiar to you. I'm not interested in whether a racketeer like Lyme was killed by his friends or by an accident. The only important thing is that he's dead. Third Man, the story of two men and one woman caught in the dangerous web of an international love affair. Oh, please, for heaven's sake, stop making him in your image. Harry was real. He wasn't just your friend and my lover. No, I don't know. I'm just a hack writer who drinks too much and... Falls in love with girls. You? Me? Don't be such a fool, of course. The Third Man. Joseph Cotton in his most successful performance as an American caught in a whirlpool of continental intrigue. The glamorous valley is the mysterious Viennese actress who knew the secret of The Third Man. Okay, that's The Third Man, released in the UK, 1949, directed by Carol Reed, starring Joseph Cotton, Orson Welles, Trevor Howard, Bernard Lee. The plot, the storyline, an out-of-work pulp fiction novelist, Holly Martins, arrives in a post-war Vienna, divided into sectors by the victorious allies, and where a shortage of supplies has led to a flourishing black market. He arrives at the invitation of an ex-school friend, Harry Lyme, who has offered him a job, only to discover that Lyme has recently died in a peculiar traffic accident. Into Lyme's friends and associates, Martin soon notices that some of the stories are inconsistent and determines to discover what really happened to Harry Lyme. Number one in the BFI Top 100, isn't it? It's, it's number one in a lot of polls or British movie sort of like um, charts, isn't it, guys, this one? It's certainly deserving of being up there. I mean, if somebody wants to debate whether something else takes the top stop and, carry and on camping this, this is this is two carry on cowboy did you say <laughs> carry on confessions um, of a window cleaner <laughs> <laughs> um well there'll be some some fast with danny dyer in it um <laughs> confessions <laughs> of a pe- confessions of a penicillin peddler yes that wouldn't work that's, no that's so. just yeah, weird. We've, we've, yeah just imagine if they turn this into a carry on but um, no, I mean, it, whether it's um, on somebody, whether somebody wants to debate that there's something else they think should be number mm. one or not, this definitely deserves to be one of the top, if not the top, British films. And I know it actually also has quite a high rating in the uh, ratings of, of American films mm. because there's a certain amount of them claiming it as, as theirs. Um, but we're happy to fight that one out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely it's it's. Uh, seminal and iconic and uh, to be perfectly honest in so many ways um, that it's undeniably one of the greatest films it's, it's bizarre isn't it? it has a real international flavour with like an American lead or two American leads yeah but it's British at the end of the day isn't it guys you know I mean yeah. that's the thing I mean the argument against it is not the quality of the film but the fact that yeah it's in Vienna you've got American producer and um, like you said, two American lead and an mm. Italian, of course, as mm. well. Italian woman, yeah, and German. So 
But I mean, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> no, 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 we 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 don't it's set the rules here. No, we don't set any rules. So, yeah. Um, just going to ask you guys before we start the review proper. I mean, Anthony, you've seen it before. That's obvious. Yeah, fair fair few times. Um, probably about maybe five times. Yep. And okay. fun, funnily enough, the first couple of times it didn't click with me. I mean, I I watched it in my teen years. I watched probably all most or all of the classics, mm-hmm. and in a funny way. They, they just sort of all went over my head. So I almost wouldn't count them because, you know, when you start watching films, you're, you're suddenly like one of the things, if you're conditioned with Hollywood, you're conditioned for the happy ending, sort of <laughs> tying everything in a bow. And obviously we don't, without giving spoilers, we don't get that here. No, but, so I, d- I don't think I appreciate it the first couple of times. And then just something clicked, you know, I think just quality films, they do that, don't they? Exactly. Stephen, yeah. your history with it, mate, how many times have you seen this? Well, I think it's about it's very similar. I'd hate to, you know, sound like I'm just copying exactly what Anthony said there. Mm. Um, but absolutely, I, I saw it at an early age and it didn't click with me. I returned to it um, in my twenties and it then did yeah. uh, click with me. And mm. um, I would estimate so, including the first watch of it with an untrained eye, mm-hmm. um, I think it probably is four or five. And each time it gets better. My appreciation, I feel, from maturity of not just age, but also just having an appreciation for uh, visual arts, I think. Mm. There's a difficulty with this film that some people might find that a lot of things have been done again later on by other people. And if if they've seen those first, they might not appreciate the origin of it and what was Mm. inspired by with this. Certainly, me and Scott, I've discussed before, Anthony, that seeing things at a certain age, um, it is almost like you haven't seen it. Yes, before um, 16, yeah, we decided. Yeah, yeah, before the age of 16, if you've watched it, you've got to watch it again. Mm. I think that's what we decided, because you haven't yeah. got, I'm not saying you haven't got the capacity to make an educated sort of appreciation of a movie or whatever, but certain things you will miss below a certain age. I think you need to watch with adult eyes a lot of movies to truly get what they, you know, really represent and what they're all about. For me, Mm. two or three times I'd seen it previously, and it wasn't until I saw it on a big screen about two years ago that it absolutely came to life. This is a big screen movie. This is so... We're going to go into the cinematography guys at some point, aren't we, and the Dutch angle Mm. and all of this whole skewed view of things. Just to sit in a darkened room watching it on a massive screen was just absolutely incredible. I mean, I watched it on DVD last night on a fairly large TV and it was just as great. It was fine. You know, it was really good to see. And and having had that big screen experience previously this time round, I could just focus a little bit more on some of the plot angles and the characterizations rather than the visual spectacle, even though it's hard not to in this movie, especially the last 10, 15 minutes, which is, Mm. you know, quarter of an hour of the most perfect cinema ever made almost <laughs> yeah where do we start with this it's such a big movie someone someone give us a bit of a chip in with this well how about the script because the mm-hmm. graham green of course wrote a novella weirdly enough uh, this is this is um, the handy thing about being graham green you can just <laughs> write a novella to prepare for writing a script so i oh, just it's a bit like um um what's his name bernard herman in citizen kane uh, I won't go on a tangent. Sorry, um, you know, Kane, Kane's wife is supposed to be in this in this um, opera. Bernard Herman just wrote an opera. He's like, oh, I'll just write an opera. I've got a free weekend. Brilliant, and it's just very impressive. Yeah, but uh, 
couple of things about the novella. I guess you know this, but Calloway actually narrates it. Did you know that? The in, Trevor in Howard the character. Oh, no, no, didn't know that. Didn't know anything about the origins, no, actually. Know. No. Yeah, and the, and the character is not Holly, it's Rollo, and he's actually British. Ah, right. I did know that. Yes. And I always were... wondered could it be a coincidence that the director's called Carol Reed and the character's called Holly, like both women's names? Uh, and that may just be a coincidence, but. Also, Christmas. Christmas Carol and Holly. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know some discussions about green and lime being connected as names. Yeah, it was something I can't. Uh, it was. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, d- I did see that the um, some of the casting, they were, you know, originally um, they were looking at casting of a number of other people for the roles and um, originally British people and then they decided to make it uh, Americans uh, at a later date. People who that could have been alternatively, um, who were the first choices alternatively. Have you seen the one I've just spotted literally looking down here at Wikipedia that been the single character in the novella the screenplay's original draft replaced him with two characters. Yes. Played by Basil Radford and Norton Wayne, Charles and yep. Caldicott. Yep. I was going to give you a quiz. Which two uh, films have they been in together? Go on. Well, well they've been in loads. Lady Vanishes uh, was the most loads. famous one, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking Lady Vanishes and Dead of Night. Yeah, um, but then I think yeah, they appeared in a Dead of Night, couple of others. Uh, that's Halloween this year, I believe. So, yes, pop oh, along for that. I might be around there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah... Um, I've I've done no research into the background of this. I'm relying on you two to fill in all the blanks for me, guys. So it's an original screenplay. It's not based. Well, it, it's sort of an original screenplay. Then is that what we're saying? The novella was written with the intention of it becoming a screenplay. Uh, well, that's the thing. It's so weird. The novella was written as quote unquote practice for writing the screenplay. That, that isn't that <laughs> like Graham Greene needs any practice? But anyway, I need Charlie to verify this for me because I'm sure that is something very similar to The Godfather. In the fact that The Godfather, the novel itself, hadn't fully been finished before the screenplay was being written. I'm not sure about that, actually. No, I'll, I'll say you probably know more about this than I do. And Charlie mentioned something. There's something to do with the timing of the screenplay and the release of the book. Or, or the rights for the book were, were bought. The, you know, the screenplay rights were written before the uh, were purchased before the book was finished. I think that's probably uh, what it right. is. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I do, I do know that 2001 A Space Odyssey was based on a short story called The Sentinel, but mm-hmm. Arthur C. Clarke then started writing a novel while they were filming it. So, and because the, the filming took about three or four years, I think. So, oh, C. Clarke, that man's just too intelligent and too clever. That's the sort of thing he'd do, isn't he? You know, I'll, I'll just, knock yeah. out, just knock out a novel while I'm waiting, you know. That's what I mean, yeah, like <laughs> Graham Greene, yeah, like Bernard Herman, like I was saying earlier. Yeah, well, we, it's well, amazing. Got a free weekend, uh, why not? A bit of time to kill, write an opera, as you say, yeah. <laughs> so the casting then, you know, I mean, there would have been a few different ideas of the casting as, as we've discovered, but the casting in this absolutely works, doesn't it? I mean, I love Joseph Cotton anyway, but, you know, he is the perfect, perfect character to play Martins, and then when you get him up against your stock British character actors... Who better to have than Bernard Lee and Trevor Howard? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I had—I was just looking through Joseph Cotton's filmography the other day. I had completely forgotten about Niagara, you know, with Marilyn Monroe? Yeah. I've got to watch that film again because that's been a good 30 years. And I always thought it was Marilyn Monroe's best I love, film, I love Niagara. Role. I do like Niagara. It's a very good movie. 
very good man. But, but what I love about Joseph Cotton, you've got like Citizen, I would say in a sort of very general way, the combination of him and Orson Welles in this film is not a million miles from Citizen Kane in that um, Welles is the more sort of charismatic guy and Cotton's playing the sort of in, inferior or I don't know. Well, he was. That's yeah. right. Yeah, he's, he's the the lesser character, isn't he? Yeah, he's not yeah. one that dominates the screen because Orson Welles dominated the screen in every bloody movie he was in, wasn't he? Um, That's it. And it's it's just the continuation of a great working partnership that went on for years, wasn't it? Because they were all part of. The, is it the Mercury Company? Wasn't it, guys? Was Absolutely, the, Mercury Theatre. Yeah. yeah. And and there's this. There's Magnificent Ambersons. You know, there. Are, you know, all of these great associations. How do you reckon that this came to be? Uh, an Orson Welles Joseph Cotton movie if it's a British production do you reckon that Orson Welles was approached and then said right well I've got a great idea why don't we get Joseph Cotton to play the lead or Joseph Cotton said you know what Harry Lyme could be played by Orson Welles or was it did they come as a package this is what I'm trying to think that from my understanding Selznick had a uh, you know there was a tussle between Carol Reed and, and Selznick with regards to um, the casting. Mm. There was a, a dispute about who would be, and and oh sorry, and, and um, what's his name, Carter. I can't remember his first name now. Alexander Carter. Alexander Carter. Um, there, there was there was a tussle there about who was going to be cast, and I think to some extent, uh, Selznick, David Selznick, um, won that. But um, that's how it ended up being Americans. Um, how it came about to be. The, the pairing like that because there were some other people that were in the frame first I mean I remember the reading that Robert Mitchum was you know high on the list and was down to be the definite choice until he got arrested for marijuana possession did so indeed, yeah. wasn't wasn't able to <laughs> do the film um, for Cotton or uh, for Orson Barry Lyne you mean I can't remember which one he was. He was it would be the Joseph Cotton the, part, surely. I was going to say, I could, yeah. See, yeah, I could see him as a Joseph Cotton. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I mean, I know, uh, you know Jimmy Stewart's name was attached to it at one point as well, and, and a few others that they were they were trying to push for. You know, I think the choices that they had, I think, were, you know, whether it was whether it was a compromise or whether it was one one suggesting the other or however it came about, yeah. um, it, it's it's cinema magic, isn't it? Yeah, lost in the mists of time as well, mate. We'll never know. We'll probably never know. Well, there's one thing. Um, I think Orson Welles was filming Othello. Because mm. I'd always assumed, you always assume when Orson Welles is in a film, you don't know any better that it's probably his film. So I probably yeah. I think I knew that for I thought that for years. Mm. What happened was he was actually filming Othello and it took three years to film. So and Wells kept running out of money. So so he kept shutting down the production and he was keeping the cut the crew and the cast in hotels. So that was eating up the budget. So he had to take acting jobs. <laughs> and I think he got something like a hundred K for two weeks for this one. So, you know. But that, what a awesome. character. He turned up like two weeks late to the shoot as well. Um, so they were having yeah. to work around the fact that he hadn't, hadn't actually turned up. And then apparently he took advantage at certain points when um, bits of crew or uh, equipment weren't being used um, yeah. to actually get some bits and pieces done for Othello. <laughs> uh, interesting. <laughs> um, so, which is the kind of, um, the, the the ego has landed in certain respects. It certainly um, has, yeah. Mm. Can I just mention something? The last film we did was Mutiny on the Bounty. Are you seeing any interesting parallels with oh, the behaviour yeah. of a certain person in that film exactly. as well? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, also, I... Wells has apparently 
when he did turn up, he was holed up in his hotel room and they enticed him out. They said, oh, there's a magician here who's going to show you some tricks. Because <laughs> Orson Welles was a kind of an amateur magician well, He as was, well. wasn't he? F for fake, wasn't it? That documentary. Oh, did, where he goes it, into yeah. all that sort of stuff. But yeah, um, what a character. You're talking about, you know, the, the obsession and, and sort of the work ethic and things like that. Apparently, Reed had four different cam- camera units shooting around Vienna for the duration of the production. Four different units. One of the assistant directors was Guy Hamilton, who went on to do some of the Bond movies. Um, and working around the clock. And the only reason he was able to work around the clock, you guys hinted at this to me beforehand. Now, was there some sort of uh, medicinal help involved here? Mm, chemically assisted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go on, Stephen. Uh, chemically assisted, um, it was already known um, fairly well that um, before this that, that David Oselznik was, was already um, dexedrine, it was, which is basically speed, um, yeah. had a, a habit of... Um, but it seems that um, Carol Reed uh, took this, you know, sort of picked that up um, as well. Whether it was before this film or during this film, I'm not sure. But certainly, um, at the time of this film, the the way he was man- managing to get four different um, film units going on and, and doing 20 hours a day um, was chemically assisted with with what we would now call speed. <laughs> well, it was new on the market, that's the thing, and it was marketed as a quote-unquote slimming tablet, which Brilliant. a lot of these were, in fact. Brilliant. A lot of these things, you can you know, you know, can make them legal by giving them another name. <laughs> <laughs> Before the film even starts, or as the film starts, the most obvious thing over the credits, which is a bit like a Saul Bass-type opening credit sequence, isn't it? Because it's just looking at a, a zither playing the strings. Mm. is the music itself right now we're talking about iconic movies iconic scenes this has got to be one of the most iconic scores in not just british movie history but in in film history in general i mean i was thinking it's almost i wouldn't say it's quite on jaws level of being so (laughs) significant to the film but it's not that far i mean it would be interesting to see some of these scenes with a different score to see how much difference it makes. But if you hear a zither, you can't help but think of the third man, though. That's what you know. That's, yeah. that's the impression I get now. And the thing that's always bugged me, and I'm just looking through Wikipedia. I think I may have the answer now after all these years. Why the zither? Is that an Austrian instrument? Oh, when you think of, it, when you think of Austria, you think of like Alpine horns, surely. <laughs> well, uh, I'm trying to remember what her name was. Mm. There was some minor aristocrat who toured Graham Greene or Carl Reed, I can't remember which, toured them around the seedier parts of um, Vienna. Yeah. And that was where there was discovery made. And um, because it, it felt evocative of the thing and at the time, I mean, you've got to remember that parts of, of what was more recently at the time the Austro-Hungarian Empire was a ziver which goes down into um, the Balkans a bit more. That was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire and you don't really realise how close Vienna is to the Balkans. So, and absolutely, it's an iconic tune that does build upon the, the atmosphere, but the actual just a ziver itself was something that was very evocative and obviously um, the, the fella behind it managed to you know have an entire career based upon it you know coming from playing in um in some seedy bar and being discovered mm. managed to have an entire career and ended up 
owning a bar up until his, his dying day in, in, in Vienna. But I believe that the, the one of those situations where the tune had a life of its own to the extent that when the third man was, was being released in the States, it was marketed as the film where the tune came from rather than the tune you know um on the back of the the film it was in the char- so, in the charts for months and months uh, under the third man theme i think it was built so yeah. i think um i think what's good is that if it's not just that theme though is it that, i mean they they play it slower he has sort of variations i mean everything that's the music in the film is all kind of variations on that theme and also they don't do that really cheesy thing of like every time Harry Lyme appears, the theme starts up. I think they do that once, but because it was known as the Harry Lyme theme. The Harry Lyme theme, that was it, not the I, third I think they could have got that really yeah. wrong if they, if they just started it up, you know, right on cue. They didn't do that, which was good. But, but there's no I, other instrument throughout the movie. Yeah, I don't think so, no, no. Is, am, am I wrong there? I, I, I can't think of any other musical interlude or background music that isn't the zither. I'm pretty the sure there isn't, isn't there now. No. No. no, no. Which might make this quite unique in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's just as iconic as some of the scenes we're going to be talking about, I think, is the music is very, very important to this movie. And they do tie the two things together, as you said when you first started talking about the, the music. Uh, visually, the because they start off the film with the close-up of the, the zither and the, the, the strings and such... Um, They've got the angles there straight away, the, the lines, which is um, something that carries on throughout the entire film, the, the, the lines on screen of different furniture and, and buildings and etc. So the, the tying the visual to the sound right from the very start in, in, in mm. that way, which is, is amazing because, I mean, there is, in a, in a way, with the zither, there is a, a, an angular quality to it. So I think that, again, is why it works. You're right, I can't think of any other film that just has one instrument used all the way through. Not like I think the other thing about it, it's very, it's quite quirky. There's a, there's the, the sort of extra element to this film is the quirkiness, you know, and the, and the comedy, the, the way that yeah. Callaway, you know, Trevor Howard and Joseph Cotton, they're constantly making references to cheap novels because Joseph <laughs> Cotton's this sort of pulp. What's the thing he says? Oh, they mentioned the author. That sounds like a cheap novelette or something. They mentioned Zane Grey, don't they? He was famous for his westerns. Yeah, when they say lines to each other, one or the other. Trevor Howard will say a line and Joseph Cotton says, oh, I might use that in my next uh, (laughs) book. And then Joseph Cotton says something and Trevor Howard says, oh, that sounds like a cheap novelette, you know. (laughs) Going back to what Stephen was saying about about lines and then... and angles and things like that. This reminded me to a certain degree of the Ipcrest file that had come along a few years later in the fact that every single camera shot is not square, it's not symmetrical, it's at a Dutch angle or an obscure angle or slightly skewed that immediately puts you on unease a little bit because it's not a conventional framed picture. You know, like Kubrick was famous for his symmetry. Everybody had to be in the middle and everything was evenly spaced. This completely throws that out of the window. There is no traditional, conventional camera shot in this movie. Am I right in this? And the lighting as well is is a combination that nothing is is like you you were used to. It's it's conventional. Absolutely. Mm. The the angles are used, you know, to such a degree that, that, no pun intended, um, 
They, they used to such a degree. It was reported that Carol Reed was was gifted um, a spirit level um, on completion of the yeah, film, right, yeah. um, to, to jokingly help him. But obviously, we know that is uh, what's called the Dutch angle. Yeah. It is something that you know, predates this film because it's come from the the German expressionism, and you know that's where Hitchcock got it from when he was uh, in the Berlin studios and, and stuff. But to have it used throughout the entire film, rather than just being used for effect on certain scenes, this is a rarity in that respect and also as a set of precedent in that fact. And it is absolutely designed to emphasise being out of place sort of thing and, and to... Yeah. You know, the, the, the phrase discompobulate mm-hmm. um, is, it, to the, the viewer and then also used at certain points, use it to actually frame people you've got you know through through stair banisters and other things like this you've got the framing of, of certain uh, characters to make you know pull them out of the surroundings but with with the the angles and the vanishing points and the shadows it, it's all trying to make you feel the the out of place quality that um you know you, you get for you know the joseph cotton's character of, of holly martin um holly martin's sorry um that that is, and it's the same as what was said before with regards to the German and and, and to some extent Russian being spoken, that being subtitles. It's yeah. designed to make him feel out of place, yeah. or to, to make the viewer feel as out of place as uh, the main character, who is completely fish out of water in, a, in an environment that is completely alien. Mm. And these angles um, are that alien, and... It's more pronounced than what you get in in films that subsequently did it, I think, because of the ratio of the screen in this as well. Because this is, you know, as close as cinema gets to being a square. So when you've got widescreen and you've got, I'm trying to think who might have have done um, Terry Gilliam, yeah, having the Dutch angle, but he's got it on a widescreen. It, it doesn't create the same it won't strength work, will it? Yeah, of, of yeah. it, it, as, as it does when you're basically looking at a square. That throws you out entirely. And I think the the, the only time within this where there's a, a, a bit of a break from that angular quality and that um, upset being there is when you're getting um, a, a bit of a, a rocking of the, of the this camera at some point being even to the eye and sometimes being slightly off when the... They are in the Ferris wheel part. And I don't know whether that's meant to sort of fit in with the Harry Lyme character being sort of able to ride out the scenario or ride out the environment. It's, it's him at home. Yeah. So he's able to like on a, like a, somebody having the sea legs been sh- on a ship and he's able to. And whereas um, the rest of it is wrong on, on that respect. But certainly, you know, that's a, a, a massive quality is the, the Dutch angle and framing using it to frame or lead the eye away and isolate certain characters for the viewer or um, even isolate the, give an impression of isolation for the character. So as I say, that's, that's just from, from my, my bit of, of view and the geometry of it, it definitely is concentration of, of the eye and, and the feelings that evokes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's the shadows and the angles. It all just gives you this sort of uncertainty. Like you don't know who you can trust. I mean, you know, you're talking about also a city that's divided into four as well. So yeah. <laughs> even within the city, you're not sure, you know, there's certain jurisdiction in the Russian section, the French section. 
it's, it's that stranger it's in a strange it's land, not, isn't it? Sorry, yeah, the, it's that whole, you know, he's been thrown into an environment that is totally unfamiliar, exactly, yeah. And as Stephen said, I mean, the idea of not using subtitles for the German, I think, was fantastic, because you just don't need it. It's not necessary, because it's just the rhythm of the voices, and those two characters, the porter, a little bit of trivia again, the porter didn't speak a word of English and had to learn the English sort of phonetically. Oh, he did well. He did. Really well. <laughs> and then the landlady, I think she's a landlady, the very old lady, yeah. sort of 80-year-old actress who, who, I mean, those two, you know, I, I was, something came into my mind. It's almost like they're using non-actors for naturalism. But conversely, those two had four or five decades of experience, probably, each. Well, certainly the lady did. And she actually improvised a lot of that dialogue. Oh, wow. You know, and you don't okay. need to know what she's saying because you, you know what she's saying. She's just babbling and complaining yeah. about things you don't need to know the words you know yeah. it's great but yeah. you've got the you know there's parts where it's her doing that and there's i can't remember which of the british soldiers it is that is um she's babbling at and he's basically mm. gets tired of being stood there taking it and decides to go inside away and he's sort of nodding at her as he's closing the door and he's got, he's got no idea what she's saying the same as us and, yeah. and so it's making you feel like you're in the shoes of that that character just for that moment as far as you know this verbal assault that you get in a uh, which makes no sense to you and uh, again it's bringing the concentration of the the audience into the actual film itself and the characters which is not usually done in that way i love the how um bernard lee i mean i think trevor howard's character speaks a bit of german bernard lee's character isn't skinny and he keeps saying scarpa to the german <laughs> as if he's as if any as if he's going to understand what that means you know obviously probably can guess but just the, way, just the way Bernard Lee says it is enough for anybody to understand. You wanted to mention Bernard Lee, mate. You said something earlier. You wanted to mention something about our, our dear friend Bernard. I mean, only that, you know, I knew him just totally synonymously with being M in the Bond films. Yeah. So seeing this for the first time, whenever I saw it, seeing it with a cock, first of all, it was a cockney accent, <laughs> was uh, quite funny. The other thing is a bit of trivia. Did you know that he filmed some scenes for Tom Rillington Place? Bernard Lee? Yeah, just a couple of scenes that they didn't didn't use them in the end. He's becoming a bit of a Real Britannia favourite, isn't he, Stephen? Because we've only come across him twice now as M, because we're still at the early stages of the Bond movies. Yeah. Um, but we're finding him crop up, not just... There's a few roles as soldiers, isn't there? But, you know, he was the dad in Whistle Down the Wind most recently. There's a famous one, I think it's A Place to Go, where he loses his job in the factory and takes up... Um, a job as a as, as a strong man performing in the streets, you know, sort of fire eating and bending like iron rods and things, you know, much to the disgust of his family wanting to get a proper job, you know, but it's been his lifelong ambition, you know. Yes, yes, is, is yeah, it, the is, embarrassment of, of him outside one of the pubs doing yeah. the strongman bit, yeah. Is, I think uh -huh. it's a place to go, I think, or with Mike Sarn, or one of those from around that era. Great movie. But Bernard Lee is, yeah, of course, everybody associates him with him. And also, did you notice the minister from the Bond films was one of the soldiers in this as well? Um, yes. Jeffrey, is it Jeffrey Keane? He was Jeffrey in King, it. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, we're talking about characters. We're talking about actors. I think, Stephen, you better get your keys out and wander down the sewers with us. <laughs> <laughs> I went up the Village Hall of Fame because I think we've got a few notable appearances. Thank you. 
Village Hall of Fame, Stephen. As you know, we celebrate actors and actresses, producers, directors, composers that have appeared three times or more on The Real Britannia. Um, It's episode 100. There's over 300 inductees now, Anthony, into the Hall of Fame, believe it or not. Wow. Um, And, you know, people are into double figures as well. It's just an amazing piece of work that Stephen's been responsible for. And it's one of my favourite parts of the whole show is listening to him come up with these names. Take it away, mate. Who's who's about for us? Well, um, we do have five people this time round that are making their second appearances. So I'll just give a, a, an overview mm-hmm. of those. There's uh, Martin Miller, uh, Gordon Tanner, Robert Brown, and then uh, two names that are a bit more familiar to us. There's uh, uh, Wilfred Hyde-White. Is it only number two? Okay, yeah. Yeah, who was previously in Carry On Nurse. And then a fella called uh, Trevor Howard is making his second appearance. <laughs> Never heard of him. Amazingly, mm. as we say, um, I know who he is. He, he, he <laughs> works in, in, in my store. Oh, you've got a Trevor so Howard there, have you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, so he was in Brief Encounter previously. Uh, again, one of the greatest British films. As we've said previously, we expect the, you know those names to be the ones that would have been first into the Village Hall of Fame. Exactly, but yeah. um, it, still, after 100 episodes, he's still sat on the porch waiting for his invite inside. <laughs> and it will happen, but there. it just hasn't happened yet. Get there. Uh, we actually have three people who are making uh, their debuts uh, in the Village Hall of Fame. Okay. Uh, thankfully, we have Carl Stepanak. Who was in Man of the Moment uh, yeah. last time round mm. and Private Progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also got... Um, oh, actually, no, I've miscounted there. There's mm-hmm. only two people, so you're making okay, a third appearance. Carl uh, Stepanak, and then the um, the other one is Alexis Chesnikov, <laughs> who, again, <laughs> was in Man in the Moment and was also um, in uh, A Night to Remember. I bet he was playing yeah. one of the um, one of the Russian passengers in Night to Remember. He's, he's probably cornered the market in in Eastern <laughs> Europeans or something. That guy. <laughs> that, that's it. He was part of the Russian delegation in in Man, Man of the Moment. Yeah. In, in this situation, it again yeah. uh, was there. And well, then we come on to the fact that we've got some people making uh, further appearances after already having achieved <laughs> Village Hall of Fame status. We've got uh, Robin Burns. Um, okay. who, um, no need to go into the, the list, you know, Night to Remember, yeah. uh, Heavens Above, etc. Yep. Not a name that immediately uh, yeah. is recognisable for us, but was actually um, there previously. We've also um, got the aforementioned uh, Jeffrey Keane. Ah, brilliant, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Who, frankly, uh, it was in uh, a number of films, including uh, The Man Who Never Was, which we did recently yes. in this show. Uh, and Doctor in the House as well, which is quite a difference to this kind of, of course, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Bernard Lee as well is is the other one that's making their fifth appearance. Good, um, good, good, good. So, and obviously, as we know, the Bonds amongst other other films, mm. uh, Whistle Down the Wind, etc. So uh, that's quite quite useful as well. And then we do have one person making their sixth appearance. It's a big one. Have you got any more than six? I do, yeah. Oh, right, because I've just spotted who the who the massive one is. But okay, who's 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 got uh, six appearances? Six is the is the is Jack Arrow. <laughs> um, who <laughs> exactly? Who? So he was uh, in things like Dunkirk and Seven Days to Noon and, okay. and Doctor No and stuff, I believe. Mm-hmm. But the big one who is making their seventh appearance, <coughs> um, and hopefully this is the same person you've picked out. Otherwise, I'm I'm a bit remiss in doing my job. Shall I um, say it? Is, is, yeah, go on then. I think it's Martin Body. It is, absolutely. Played the Russian military policeman uncredited. 
Yeah. Previously in Doctor in the House, A Man for um, All Seasons, Carry On Nurse, Seven Days to Noon, Bedazzled and Carry On Sergeant. Always uncredited in every appearance he makes. He's he's one of the, you know, he's he's another, not Victor Harrington, he's another Victor Harrington, isn't he? Or... Guy Stand, even these guys. Oh, Sil Chamberlain, that's you know, yeah. yeah, but guy, I mean, Sil Chamberlain a bit more noticeable, mm, but yeah. yeah, some of these Guy Stand, evens and and Sil Chamberlain's people who were just there as character actors in the background doing the job. Uh, did a variety of films from you know the likes of the Carry Ons and um, and and things like that, and mm. then also you know a period drama in, in Man for All Seasons, and then in this, you know, pretty much the greatest. Uh, British movie and one of the greatest films of all time and um, and just there just doing his job just plugging away just getting on with it um, you know <laughs> I've just noticed I've just clicked onto his IMDB page and you know there were some spin-offs from this wasn't there there was like the Harry Lyme series and a third man TV series in the late 50s the radio radio as yeah. Well, yeah there was a third man TV series 1959 and Martin Body appeared in it several times as a, as a character called Inspector Newton so he may actually have had some words, some lines to say <laughs> at one point. He got bumped up the billing, didn't he? He did, but it was only a TV, you know, version of the story or the continuation of the story. And Which he, is not always a bad thing, as we discovered with um, Gideon's um, Gideon's well, Day. That that works, um, didn't it? You know, the, the the TV series was different. Yeah, it didn't have you know. It was just them using the name. Really, it wasn't really the same character or anything. But there were decent enough episodes of, of a TV series. That's right, but, yeah. Um, hopefully, the Harry Lyme series um, was tied in a bit more with, with Third Man. But yes, yeah, so that's mm. the the um, the Village Hall um, new entries at least um, in there. And we're still waiting for, for Mr. Howard to. To make his debut, it won't be far away, mate. It won't no. be far off. Thank you for doing that, <laughs> as always, mate. That's you know, it, it can be quite hard work, but I think you've got this little system down, down pat now, haven't you? That you can you can get this done pretty simply. It now. is, uh, I, yeah, I can run through it, but the the problem is, it's usually the episodes where I've picked the film that is usually the ones that causes the avalanche. Um, <laughs> you you pick. You pick things like hunger, where the, where there's like one person making their second appearance, and that's it. And yeah. then I go and pick um, man of the moment, which virtually everybody is is I don't making know. their their second, third, twelfth yeah. appearance. And, and I don't think we've had a week where we've had nobody appearing at all into the village hall of fame, have we? We haven't chosen a movie where it's complete unknowns. We've we've not had mm. a, a apart from when you had the first first handful of episodes obviously yeah, yeah um you've not had um we've not had anybody even with hunger um there was still somebody making their second appearance <laughs> um and i do believe from if i remember correctly um by the six episodes you had your first person entering the village hall of fame with three appearances after six so, yeah so um so from that point onwards yeah uh, the doors were open and, and people were taking their seats there we go. Well, thank you for doing that, mate. Let's keep it going because I find it fascinating. All these, the minor characters, character actors, as well. And, and for us, then we start looking out for them in yeah. films in future, don't we? Yeah. Um, the Marianne Stones and the, the Victor the Harrison. Like, and Victor yeah. Harrison, particularly, you know, looking him. out for. Yeah, I can see yeah. him in any, any movie now. I recognise him immediately. So we've got a massive movie, guys. You know, it's it's number one in everybody's lists. 
What are the standout points for you? Because I've got certain scenes that I looked at last night when I was watching it and thinking, that's a great bloody bit of cinema. You know, that some of the lighting sequences. The, the guy with the balloons, with the shadows, and his shadow suddenly becomes like 40, 50 foot tall, you know, and it's just incredible. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. It, it, it was stuff like that that sort of washed over me previously but last night i had to flick that back and go that is a bloody good bit of cinema do you know what that reminded me of mm. it's silly mm. the thing that it, that reminded me of was um bugs bunny so the warner <laughs> brother cartoons and the, you know the the about whatever's coming around the corner and the, the fearing whatever it is yeah. and it comes around and it's it's you know it wasn't um, some massive monster. It was just the angle of the shadow. and it, it, it just Elmer Elma Fudd creeping past or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, it, yeah, it was. And they were obviously made after this. So somebody is uh, perhaps. Of course. Perhaps there's a link between the two. Perhaps it's just an accident. But yeah, that, that <laughs> absolutely. The, the, the elongated shadow and the way that then creates a, a, a larger, taller shadow yeah. on the on the wall. It's a great, great little bit. You know, it's only seconds of, of screen time. But, you know, when mm. you start seeing lots of little bits like this, the angle of of the Ferris wheel when we first see it and he's waiting at the bottom of it, it's just like a totally, you know, whoever was the cameraman is probably lying on their back holding this big bloody heavy camera at the bizarrest of angles to get that right. And, and it's just incredible, the whole thing. I mean, standout bits for you guys. What What, what was there for you? I mean, the yeah. elephant in the room, really, for me, is 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 Orson appearing in the doorway, <laughs> and uh, the, you know the whole thing with the cat as well. I have something of a fascination with cats. That was, was, that was a great, just a great touch and clever the way that was done because she mentions, doesn't she, that um, Harry had a particular affection for that cat, and then obviously, you know, the next scene is a cat yeah. around somebody's ankles in the shadow. Very clever. That's yeah, it. yeah. But I mean, if you're gonna if you're going to have someone appear over an hour into the film, and again, uh, I won't mention Brando anymore, but weird parallel with Eclipse <laughs> now, wouldn't you say that he appears almost at the end and arguably steals it? Yes. Um, if you're going to talk about a character for an hour, mm-hmm. they've got to be worth it when they appear. Oh, yeah, and, you, you don't want it to be Kenneth Williams in the shadows, do you? It's got to be someone <laughs> like... You know. Well, I've got another comparison. I'll make it a second, but... When when he appears and it's like the word impish was just invented for the way Orson's smiling when you see him in the doorway. <laughs> the comparison I was going to make, I don't know if you've seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the latest Tarantino. Yes, yes. I think Tarantino has gone so badly downhill. I mean, I love Reservoir Dogs and everything, mm-hmm. but he does this thing in his films where he'll say like uh, something like, well, the boss is waiting for you. And they have all this big build-up and, oh, it's the boss or whatever. And then you go and see them. It's just like Kurt Russell sitting in a chair or something. Just Kurt Russell, you say. <laughs> no, I'm not, nothing against Kurt. But, you know, I, know, I, think, I know what you I mean. Think, yeah, the, the, that whole star power thing, you know, that build-up, like you said, with, with Kurt yeah. seeing Apocalypse Now and, then, you know, two hours into the movie and, yeah. Uh, again, problematic. And, you know, the whole the whole parallels are there, like you say. Um, but there's so many because they had to work everything around them as well. You've got this, you've got this like, star who's kind of like a child almost. It's almost like you have to humour <laughs> this person like a kid, you know. Oh, let's get all these shots. And then when Marlon or Orson is ready to come out of their hotel room, we'll, we'll, we'll work around them. You know? it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's, it's similar but different. Bear with me. Um because he's totally unannounced at the end. In Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, you suddenly get Sean Connery appear. 
as as King Richard or John. What one is it? Richard, isn't it? Richard the Richard. Lionheart. Yeah. Yeah. Lockley. Yeah. You know, and he comes in on the horse and totally steals the show in two seconds. Totally steals Kevin Cosner's thunder. You know, just as the unannounced cameo, but similar but different. Um, I mean, I think I think I could have stolen Kevin Costner's thunder, but <laughs> I, sorry, I do like that. Film sorry, better. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen, no, anything think- for you? Sorry, we'll go. We'll. we'll Jump back to you on, in a second, sorry, but Stephen, any any highlights for you? Anything standing out like that? I mean, you, you mentioned just there, you're talking about the use of shadows and etc. And what took me this time, which I, I don't think had actually I'd properly picked up on previously, was that um, the use of shadow for focusing and, and throughout the film and it being used to... to almost make people seem smaller sometimes and mm. um, and everything that the 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 way thing that actually picked up on me this time around was the the end scenes where they have at the point at which he starts pursuing um Orson Welles's character Harry Lyme mm. um uh, it cottoned on to me no no pun intended um that as he's chasing him through the streets and then subsequently into the sewers. Yeah, he's literally chasing his shadow, uh, the shadow of Harry Lyme, because uh, most of it, the actual, you know, he's, he's already disappeared from sight, but you can see this, you, you can see where he went because you can see the shadow mm. of him. And then, as it does progress, the shadows and and things actually start, you know, giving you the impression. Of actually close, it's not just the claustrophobia of being in a sewer, which obviously would be you know, but the 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 lighting I think is is then and the the angles and stuff are used to then kind of start having this narrowing in an entrapment and yeah. they're, they're not being an escape that there was previously a feeling of of this openness and the the. The way that they shot with the vanishing point being there, they always had something distance-wise, and mm-hmm. a lot of the other shots in the in the streets, particularly, that occurred to me. That then, the, in, and the the rising tide within, you know, the way that um, Arson Wells plays it, he is realizing he's he's trapped and he's he's lost his assuredness. And as you said, that that impish, cocky smile. And the, the way he's delivering a, a diatribe is almost, you know, when he's in the Ferris wheel, he's, 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 he's at the top of the, you know, the Ferris wheel looking out over Vienna and he's basically the, the king of all he surveys in some ways. And that goes from quite quickly deteriorates into him being trapped like a rat in a sewer. I think that's an extraordinary um, turn of events, the way it's done, which could have been quite passe and, and formulaic or... Um, naff really and it's done there in such a way that the the performances and I mentioned before about policemen I mean the, apparently the policemen because they have a special police force in Vienna for doing the, the sewers I, I remember when I went to Vienna this was something got mentioned to me about yeah. this and it only it only reminded me when I watched it this time round that they have a special police force for the for the Vienna sewers, um, <laughs> no, a special a special squad or something like that. Sewer squad, yeah, uh, yeah, sewer squad, uh, not suicide squad, but sewer, um, <laughs> suicide squad. And apparently, uh, after I'd watched the film the other night, I, I had a look into that, and um, apparently the people the people playing the police chasing after him down the sewers were actually they. Real, poli- real police that wow. just got in to, to do it. 
which I suppose, you know, meant that they were less likely to lose their footing and etc. But so yeah, so that end bit with the way that they use the shadows, the the enclosing, and the the way that the 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 tables turn as well with regards to the actors and their mm-hmm. their performances all ties in together for for me to to make that a a fantastic closure on the story, which has up to that point has has been in its openness is and confusion it's it's used the openness for for confusion that suddenly brings you hemmed in with focus and and is fantastically done i'm not saying it's a bad movie but it's worth it just for the 15 minutes at the end this whole you know that whole, if that's all that all we had of this movie was the last 15 minutes it, it was just yeah. you know cinema perfection didn't you have something to say about the sewers yourself anthony did you mention something that you had a fact yeah about? i mean um Obviously, the metaphor is very clear, but it, it doesn't seem to telegraph. That's the whole thing about this film. It's not... Uh, I think they shot it at Shepparton, didn't they? Some of the scenes were at Shepparton, yeah. Yeah. No, it's an amazing bit of trivia. I'm going to take this documentary of their word. Do you yeah. know how many kilometres of sewer there are in the sewage system in Vienna? Go on, have a wild guess. Well, there must be enough for them to have their own police force, that's for sure. So, <laughs> God, have a guess. Stephen, you've been to Vienna. Is, is it a large city? Does it warrant, you know... <laughs> This entire police force underground, I suppose it must do. So the 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 bit that would have extant then, not the you know the suburbs and and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it, it potentially does because of the intricacy of it as, as far as the way it's been built on and built on. Okay. So, um, but as far as uh, how many miles? Oh, are we talking miles or kilometers? Kil- kilometers. kilometers. Should, we, should kilometers. we take a guess at hundreds of kilometers, Stephen? Just a ballpark figure, shall we? We've got no idea, yeah, I mean, have we? You know. Go on, Anthony. How, how many? How many kilometers? Three thousand. Three thousand. Three thousand kilometers. That can't be right, can it? It's from an official documentary. Three thousand kilometers of sewers. Yeah, I'll go with that. That's absolutely fine. I'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no idea why, but I'll go with it. <laughs> Another bit I like, just after Orson's appeared and then disappeared. Mm. Do you remember when uh, Joseph Cotton goes to get some water from that like, fountain? Yes. Uh, I love the way the statue's looking at him. <laughs> and yeah. then he splashes the statue. You yeah. remember that? <laughs> just that little touch. Mm. I think the comedy in this film is a little bit underrated, perhaps. It, it doesn't come across always. It's very. I would eccentric. agree. There's there's some little one-liners, and as Scott said previously about the comments to do with being a pulp um, paper book writer, mm. and and I didn't realise they had that in westerns at one point was was some comment that was thrown back at him because of of the nature of the novels he, he yeah. wrote and stuff. I, I think that yeah, there, there's little bits of comedy that are that are in there that are missed, but they but part of that is because they're not. They're not put in there in such a way that they're directly there's a direct attempt to have levity to lift it from um, the atmosphere of the film. It, it's 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 more in some ways I think it's 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 showing it again the 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 alienness of the mm. uh, of Cotton's character in it and um, you know how he's still trying to see things in a certain way and um, the others are in a different world. Mm. For the first hour and more, it's it's a whodunit as well, isn't it? It's a proper mystery movie. Mm. And even when we get the appearance of Harry Lyon, which is literally 65 minutes, I think you said, Andy, wasn't it, just after the hour? Something like that, yeah. There's still the air of mystery to this. We still don't know what's going on, you know. 
again, that adds to the confusion on the viewer's part, as well as all these Dutch angles and the camera lighting and all the stuff we've spoken about and the sense of being a stranger in a strange land. You're getting all of this. And I absolutely love it. And it's, it's, it's a five-star movie for me all the way across the board. There's, there's nothing yep. I can fault about it. I can't say there was a bad performance. I certainly cannot fault the cinematography, the camera work, the direction. Initially, when I very first watched it, I found the whole zither thing annoying. On my first couple of viewings, I thought, that's just, just in your face too much. That's just too overpowering. Yeah, but I don't think the movie would work without it. Or, as I think I just read somewhere here, that you know they didn't want to have Viennese waltzes in the background, which would have been something a bit more traditional or a bit more expected. And mm. you know, as I say, the music, the zither thing, has become as iconic as the film, as uh, as iconic as that appearance of Harry Lyme coming out of the shadow. It, it's just part and parcel of something that. When you get all the parts together, it just makes one perfect whole. I, I absolutely loved it this time. Man. I, I suppose if you're going to nitpick it, the actual volume of the zither is a bit much. That might be what I was getting. A couple of times, then. yeah, but and and maybe it comes in literally once or twice more than it should. But I, I don't <laughs> think that myself. But you could you could nitpick. Yeah, yeah. you know, nothing's perfect, I suppose. But. Any final thoughts, mate? Have you got anything else that you wanted to bring up? Because I know you, you do prepare very well for these things. Yeah, just a bit of trivia actually about mm. the production. There was a fire in the cutting room. Apparently they were a week from completion. Yeah. There was a fire and they had to start again from the negative. They had to re-edit everything they'd done. It's uh, a bit of a... Yeah, it's almost well, like sympathy for them, but it's, it's not on the, the scale of losing an entire episode of a podcast on the blue lamp <laughs> I, knew where, I knew where that was going i wasn't that lucky i don't have a negative to go back to unfortunately it's lost in the in the ether somewhere i don't think it's on a hard Best drive episode we've ever done. it was That's a cracking episode we've got to do that again at some point <laughs> and just a bit at the end with the the sewer where you see orson wells just give that nod Mm-hmm. to say put me out of my misery yeah. and then of course famously you see the fing- his fingers going through the grate yes and they show it from the street and you- you'll know of course that's Carol Reed's fingers isn't it yes it is Carol yeah. Reed, yeah. rather yeah. than Arson's yeah, yeah. Arson, Arson wouldn't go into the sewers but then, so well he was in his hotel room all of his bits are shot by doubles yeah Guy, Guy Hamilton appeared as a double body double mm, for him quite, right. quite often yeah. in, in the movie apparently so, any final thoughts, Stephen? I mean, it's, it's a great movie, isn't it? Just, it's easy to get to the end of a film and to be busy thinking about what you've just seen, especially when it's something new to you, or even when you've you've watched it before. You sort of sat there, and you know, with the enjoyment of what you've you've just watched. But the ending bit with the the avenue, the long shot perspective wise into the the, the distance of her walking towards the camera, and the fact that he's you know. He's on one side and, and she walks off to the other side of the mm. camera um, when she does actually get to it. That is, again, unsettling right at the end. You think you've, you've reached a conclusion with a film and then the, everything that was unsettling is now settled. And you're mm. still left at that point with, with that not being conventional and that being um, out, of, out of the norm. So that's the only thing I can think of that mm. I haven't spoken about, which... Um, was in my mind to do so. Yeah. Well, we haven't mentioned Anita Valley, have we? 
Fantastic. What sort of career did she have? I mean, is she only known for this movie? I didn't really recognise her from anything else. I mean, she's Italian, presumably. I mean, my dad, I was talking to my dad the other day, he's Italian. Mm. I think he, he knew her fairly well, so I think she probably, as with the German, some of the German characters, probably had a long career in Italy, but yeah, I think this was her look, big moment. Just, but do, you, do you think the ending was absolutely the right thing to do? It worked for me. Because it was either Green or Reed wanted a happy ending. I can't remember there, which. There was a, yeah, there was um, a, a disagreement over one side wanting a happy ending and the other side wanting, I think must have been Green, probably wanted his original ending, which wasn't a Hollywood ending. And I think what they've done there is they've created a, an ending that's that's neither, but also potentially both. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that, that, that conflict... Um, and disagreement has created something better than if either of them had won their their argument totally. Could have really killed it though, couldn't you? If you, you'd had her suddenly, you know, go into Joseph Cotton's arms and they ride off into the sunset. Just, it, it just adds to the whole feeling of unease we've had throughout the whole movie. You know, it's just there's no resolution, no settlement to this, and you've been unsettled for the last ninety plus minutes with different camera angles and and this sense of being a stranger and being lost and discombobulated as you said Stephen you know and and to have a, an ending that ties everything up in a nice neat parcel with a lovely little bow on it it just wouldn't fit the film I think absolutely not no and there's a there's quite a bit of melancholy to this film as well definitely I mean and the music like I was saying earlier no the music's not just this kind of theme it's they have like slow variations on it and it's just yeah just perfect this is close to a perfect film I'm going to say Shall we leave it at that for a moment, guys? It's been a perfect movie to celebrate our 100th episode. I think we'll agree on that. Yep. Well, uh, no disrespect to um, any of the films that we've previously rated, but yes, I think we've, you know, um, it was right that we saved this um, for the 100th. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, no disrespect to, to you, fine chaps. Certainly the, the, the film deserves examination beyond our, our critique because you can't. For all we can say about it, you you really can't appreciate the film until you've watched it. Exactly. This is why we should have done Carry On Camping. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, let's invite Anthony back for another episode. I think... I think he's passed the audition once again. So <laughs> we passed the audition. Hey, Beatles you got, reference. got the well reference. Done. Well done. Mate. Oh, the Beatles used to play the third man theme. Yeah. I was going to keep that to myself. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be back after this. Charles Hawtrey and the Deaf Aids. That's the other one. Charles Hawtrey and the Deaf Aids. Phase one in which Doris gets her notes. John Lennon's imitation of Harold Wilson. <laughs> That's what it says in Alley Cat. <laughs> Have you heard? <coughs>
that's it guys four years old 100 episodes in the bank who'd have thunk yeah. it eh? you know we, we got there we've got plenty still to go as Stephen said his list of potential movies is running into the triple figures almost you know and I've got a list equally as long plus all the other stuff we've got going our next episode we start the Hammer Horrors with the Quatermass Experiment with another guest wow. our great friend Mark from the Good Bad and the Odd is, is going to be a special guest on that because he's written a book on the whole Quatermass series so literally written a book about the film so you just need some uh, Dexedrine in a few more lifetimes and you'll get through it you may do oh don't do yes so a bit of inspiration for you there, mate. He's written a book on quite a mess, so you know, yeah. it's, it's, anything is achievable. Fair, with Scott, it's not Dexedrine, it's my oval team. <laughs> Which is why I, I have a day bed and tend to doze off. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Anthony has very kindly agreed to come back, the fool. He's coming back for more punishment. Um, and now, officially, this would have been my choice because. Anthony selected this one. Stephen, you chose the one before when all three of us were together. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Anthony threw a suggestion at me, and I thought, well, yeah, I'd like to go with that. But as it's his suggestion, we might as well let him choose it. Stephen, it's on your list, I know, but we haven't told you what it is. Anthony, what are we going to be reviewing when the three of us are together next time, mate? All right. Well, if I told you it involved Jamie Lee Curtis kissing four different men, a guy with a stutter and a very tall man being dangled out of a window, <laughs> apologizing unreservedly, <laughs> you'd probably guess that it's a fish called Wanda. Got to yeah. be done. I have not seen for 20 odd years <gasps> and I can't wait. There's a few clips obviously on YouTube and mm-hmm. I did watch uh, John Cleese on apologizing unreservedly and offering a full retraction. Uh <laughs> And I can't wait to see it again. Can't wait to talk about it because it's just so good. I watched it at Christmas <laughs> and it still stands up, mate. Really <laughs> okay. Stephen, you've seen it a few times and you love I it. I have. You? I have seen it oh, four or five, I think, mm-hmm. at least. So, um, yeah. And it's not something that I would shy away from watching again. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So I'm very glad at that. And it was on my list somewhere in there. I'm not sure what number it was, but um, it was in there. You can so cross great. that off, Absolutely mate. Great. Directed by Charles Crichton, who was it Leavened Hill Mob, wasn't it? I think some of the Ealing stuff. So, got some pedigree to it as well as some fine acting talent. Looking forward to that, mate. We'll do that in a couple of months' time. Definitely looking forward to having you back. Mm, in the meantime, up. in the meantime, mate, how about letting our audience know where they can find your three podcasts? Oh yes, so Glass Onion on John Lennon in all the usual places. Twitter at Onion Lennon. Twitter is a seems to be a pretty good uh, place for advertising the podcast and yeah. you know the community there and then film gold is at film gold 75 and then life and life only which is actually a bob dinner lyric mm-hmm. but it's actually a podcast um it's an earnest search for inner and outer truth so it takes in such things as life coaching self-development but then alternative media conspiracies that kind of thing so it's pretty eclectic and uh yeah it's on uh, twitter all the usual places Fantastic. So, yeah, free podcast. Fantastic. Looking forward to appearing. I'm going to be on Glass Onion again before the end of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. Let It Be is going to come out eventually, we think, in August. Yeah. So, we're going to do a show about 1969. Stephen, if you're a fan of the film Sleuth, uh, the original, yes. not, that, not that horrible remake, you're welcome yeah, to yeah. come. We're going to do Sleuth for Film Gold. So, 
should oh, come right. and Fantastic. reunite. Yes, not shy of giving my opinions on anything, uh, <laughs> but on that, on that, yes, it is something I, I am uh, keen on. So I will accept that invitation. So just Fantastic. let me know. I know like when. that. Thank you very much. Like that idea because we covered it as one of the early real Britannias, me and Tony. So it'd be great to hear your views on it, Stephen, as well. So um, mm. one of my favourite movies, the great Michael Caine, Lawrence Olivier. It's a great, great film. Yeah. So. We've got all of that coming up before the end of the year. Hopefully it won't be another four years before we hit episode 200 and carry on camping. Uh, We we might have to celebrate episode 150, I think, guys. We'll find something of... Well, it'd be difficult to find something to top the third man, won't it? Who knows what we'll come up with. What was the the first episode out of interest? That we did here. Yeah. The Eagle Has Landed, another Michael Caine movie. Yeah. Mm. Completely Scott, random. Scott went through a, 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 a thing of Michael Caine. He's a massive fan of, um, but uh, uh, frequently the uh, Michael Caine appearances have been that somebody else is yeah to be the film uh, and not Scott's. It, every single a bit one. Of a bizarre fact. Yeah, Tony selected that. You selected uh, the man who would be king, and, and I also picked um, Ip Cress as well. Uh, but yeah, but I also yeah picked Ip Cress, um, and I also picked. Educating uh, Rita. Educating Rita. Yeah, yeah, I picked yeah. that one as well, didn't I? For the man who is like the biggest Michael Caine fan out of the three of us here, I haven't actually picked a Michael Caine movie. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get round to that eventually. Again, Anthony, thank you so much for your time today, mate. And I know you look forward to having a bit of a chin wag with us, but it's 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 always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. Yeah, we'll be back again soon. Excellent, Stephen. Uh, thank you for 80 odd out of the last 100 episodes it must be by now you must have you know hit three quarters of them and and again thank you for all your hard work on the village hall of fame really really appreciate it mate and look forward to our saturday morning sunday mornings uh many more to come absolutely you know thank you for allowing me to step in and be part of of this not only is it a great pleasure for me to review in the films and obviously um, regularly getting together yourself, but the, you know, the quality of guests that we're getting on, such as Anthony, you know, that's a, an extra pleasure. It's a cherry on the cake, is mm-hmm. is that? So long may that um, continue. So well, thank he, you, he and thank be... you to everybody listening as well, for both of you. It's, it's been a real, years. it's been a real triumph. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, work with me. Come on. Don't worry, you will be known as the third man from now on as well. You know, <laughs> you've got to crowbar it in somewhere. It's, it's, Guys, here's to another 100 episodes and more. Thanks once again. See you all very soon. Take care. See you later. Take care. Positive shower. Positive shower. Bon voyage. Good luck. Thank you.
keeping the British hand up, sir. I'm sick of pains. <laughs>